0: Good morning. Welcome to another edition of Mornings with Matthew. I'm Matthew Trageser, your host, and today we'll be discussing the recent ICE immigration enforcement operations from over the weekend, as well as the Trump administration's proposal for a new asylum rule intending to end asylum abuse in our country. Uh, Joining me today to discuss these topics is Ferris Preston Hennikens from our Government Relations Department. Preston, good to see you again. Yeah, always happy to be here. Okay, so let's begin by discussing this ICE enforcement operation that occurred uh, recently. So what we know is that they selected, DHS select, or ICE selected uh, 10 cities across the country, LA, Chicago, New York, among among others, uh, and they were targeting up to 2,000 people with final orders of removal. And this obviously got a lot of pushback from people across the country, you know, from cable TV to social media. I mean, it, it was a very hot topic, but... I wanted to get your perspective on on something that that Trump kind of talked about throughout this whole process, which was, you know, at first he said he was going to deport millions of people, then his administration said, you know what, he's actually only going to deport people with final orders of removal, which was, you know, around a million, uh, and now they targeted up to two thousand individuals. Um, so, w- what are we supposed to think here? Do you think the president, kind of? Back down after hearing the, the pushback from this, or was there something else going on that
1: we're not totally aware of? Uh, I'm sure it's a little bit of both. And you know, something that a lot of people forget is that these, you know, enforcement surges—they usually call them—they happen all the time. You know, if you subscribe to ICE's, you know, newsletter, they send out almost every day. You know, surge activity in Los Angeles nets, you know. Two hundred aliens, mm-hmm. like so, they, they do these kinds of raids a lot, and they're they're usually very targeted, like you know, like the president kind of explained, going after people with final orders of removal who have no other legal recourse to remain in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these aren't people that are just kind of navigating the court system; they've they've already gone through it. A judge has you know found them removable; they need to go. Um, and so, I think it was just rare, though, that the president was highlighting this one group. Of right. Them instead of because they ha- they happen all the time.
0: Exactly. No, I th- I think you're spot on with that. I mean, it, these are swift operations. They're not going to be advertised every time ICE officials, you know, go hunt down people that you know have final orders of removal. I mean, this happens almost every week. I'd say. Um, it's interesting why he highlighted this particular one. Um, and I don't understand why the media said, "Hey, look, nothing really uh, formalized on Sunday." There was very few ICE agents present in these communities, but I also felt like ICE was not going to make themselves, you know, uh, appear to the public eye and, and and to cameras during this operation. They wanted to be quick in and out and and do this. And also, you know, these raids were, or I, I should call them immigration enforcement operations because they're not really raids despite right. what the <laughs> mainstream media calls them to be. But, um, you know, they don't happen... They're not supposed to happen just in one day. It's a process. And I think a lot of people are, are missing out on this aspect where it's it's not like you have 24 hours and then, okay, we're done. It's a process that's been still going on now. Um, but another thing that was interesting that, that I found was you know on these same cable TV stations and on social media, um, there were a lot of images of, of families and children and as if ICE were only targeting... These groups of people, um, who are these ICE agents targeting during you know an enforcement operation like this? Who are these people? Yeah, Is I it mean, really the,
1: the the children and families. No, it's it's. I would imagine it's probably mostly single adult males yeah. who have again they've gone through the court. And even if they are families, you know, for better or for worse, they've gone through the court system, mm-hmm. and a you know an immigration judge has found them removable. So you know, and when when people talk about oh raids you know, that that would indicate ICE going into, you know, like a poultry plant and just arresting everyone working there. Right. That That is very rare. Yeah. That, I mean, that rarely happens. What ICE usually does is that they know where, you know, they for the most part know where people live who have, have these final orders and, you know, they'll just go and arrest them. It's not, you know, these – they're not dragging people out of homes kicking and screaming. You yeah. know, it's very professional for the – you know, and it's – of course, just hysterics from the mainstream media talking about Yeah, and
0: what people don't realize is, you know, right now there's 1.1 million people, illegal aliens in the country, who have final orders of removal, and the administration was only targeting 2,000 people out of that group. So it's a very small percentage, and these 2,000 are probably the people that have committed the most serious crimes in addition to crossing over illegally. Um, And even last year, when... uh, Here's an ICE chart I'm looking at here from fiscal year 2018 of the criminal charges... um, from people removed from the country. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing these top five categories here, and I see DUI, dangerous drugs, traffic offenses, assault, and larceny. And, I mean, these are just not, you know, these are crimes in addition to them crossing illegally. It's not just, okay, well, if you cross illegally, you're going to be immediately
1: removed right now. I mean, these are in addition to that. Right, and and generally ICE wouldn't know who you are if you were an otherwise law-abiding you know, illegal alien. If if you just come into the country and kind of just keep your head down, yeah. for the most part, you know, look you know, look at how the popula- that population has exploded in the past, you know, 30 years. But yeah. for, for ice to really be coming after you, you have a you have prior criminal history. Absolutely. <laughs> and what I will say though is, you know, with
0: all these sanctuary cities and, and jurisdictions that we keep seeing growing and growing over the past, you know, decade, they've really um, sprouted up. I mean, isn't that creating a public safety risk for not only, you know, U.S. citizens, law-abiding immigrants in these, um, you know, major cities, but then, you know, for immigrants who also reside in these cities because a lot of these dangerous criminals, let's say MS-13 gang members in Chicago or uh, New York or wherever, you know, they prey on people from their own countries, you know, from El Salvador or Guatemala. So it's, it's almost like these mayors, by not cooperating with ICE Officials and you know I, I see here that the Chicago the Chicago mayor banned ICE from accessing its city's databases. I mean mm-hmm. that, that's just encouraging more criminal behavior. It, it's a public safety threat to people in the city. I mean I I just well, are recognizing that?
1: Yeah, and it, it but it and it you hit the nail on the head. It particularly affects immigrant communities because MS-13, you know, they're not shaking down you know, main street shops, they're going yeah. to, you know, the, the stores and the businesses that are operating in the immigrant communities and shaking them down and, you know, terrorizing their children. Yeah. Um, so, and also, you know, even again with sanction you know, anytime you have sanctuary cities, uh, with restrictive policies that keep ice from, you know, making targeted arrests, mm-hmm. let's say that then means that ice has to come in and make at large arrests. Mm-hmm. So instead of arresting someone in the controlled setting of a jail or a courthouse, something like that, that's when they're then having to go in to the person's home. And if they find other illegal aliens living in the home, they're not just going to ignore that. They're going to arrest them right. too. So it's, it's a very bad, you know, when you actually apply these sanctuary policies, it actually ends up hurting, you know, yeah. it, the people that, <laughs> that the politicians claim they're helping.
0: And the other thing too, I think this is not talked about at all, is the cost of illegal immigration to these cities and, you know, here's a chance, you know, just billions and millions of dollars, and these mayors could say, hey, you know, let's get rid of that cost, but they but they don't. And think about all that money that could be allocated to, I don't know, the inner city schools, or, you know, healthcare programs, or, you know, infrastructure in, in a lot of these cities that are crumbling. I mean, you look at New York, Chicago,
1: I mean. Or look the, at the, I mean, uh, just uh, look at the <laughs> school, look at the school system in Los Angeles. Yeah, That's L- completely LA, collapsing. The, huge
0: homeless populations all across the, the West Coast. I don't know why they don't realize that that's also a factor. I mean, maybe they do realize it and they just, you know, ignore it for for political reasons. But um, then, you know, there's also the thought that, you know, with these sanctuary cities, you know, illegal aliens aren't going to report crimes. They're going to feel like there's a chilling effect. Um, I've seen zero empirical evidence of that?
1: No, there's none. And that's, it's actually really funny. Whenever there are, you know, congressional hearings about this, you'll always have one congressman say, oh, you know, this is a chilling effect. And, you know, as the witnesses, the sheriffs and yeah. and whatnot, they, they usually say, you know, no, you know, these people, you know, the sanctuary, poli- you know, that doesn't really change anything one way or the other. In fact, you know, they're the ones that want these criminals gone yeah, exactly. because they're the ones being terrorized. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And also people don't realize too, um, illegal aliens actually have the ability to get uh, I guess ultimately citizenship through UNTV says yeah, which a <laughs> crimes <laughs> UNTV says yeah, if, if you cooperate in a, an investigation or you're a victim of a crime, you become el- you can become eligible for these, and so mm-hmm. it's kind of an incentive to hey, let's talk to the uh, you know local uh, police authorities if, if something did happen. And yeah. I again, completely, I'm uh, not sure what's going on there, but um, it, it's something that is not talked about enough. Um, The other thing regarding these uh, ICE enforcement operations that occurred recently is, you know, Obama did similar things to this when he was in office for two terms, and yet there was little uproar Mm -hmm. when this happened. You know, he was called the deporter-in-chief between uh, 2009 and and 2015. His administration removed more than 2.5 million people, which doesn't include the number of people who self-deported. Uh, and this number is actually more than any other administration in history, and that 2.5 million number is more than the sum of all presidents in the 20th century. So you can see clearly how he could be labeled the deporter in chief. But yet, little uproar when all these were
1: were occurring. Thoughts on that? Uh, he didn't brag about it on Twitter. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was very. Um, no, the, it. it President Obama's uh, immigration enforcement operations were largely kept out of the news cycle because the administration didn't prioritize them, which is very different from the current administration under President Trump, which you know they're usually sure the first, they're highly. usually the first ones to announce when yeah. they've when they've done this. He's made it much more a part of his political program than President Obama did. So y- there's reasons for it, even though, like you just said, yeah. you know President Obama was you know very you know active in removing active. and removing illegal aliens
0: um what what about going off of this uh still if we don't deport people after they're issued a final order of removal they've been through the you know they've get, been, been given due process in the judicial process isn't that just a slap to the face to our country's judicial system i mean oh, it is, to blatantly ignore you know a court order saying you, you just, you, you got to go now. You've, you've been given the due process, a fair trial. It's, you
1: know. It, no, it's, it's, uh, it's it makes our, our, not only our immigration court system, but our entire immigration framework look silly. Uh, and I think it's very telling how big of a problem it is that we do have over 1 million people who have gone through the system who are removable that are still living here. Yeah. And I think that, is is a cry for help that the you know that that eor our immigration court you know frame you know system needs help you know we need yeah. we need more judges we need you know more ice agents that are able to you know take those those people that have gone through that that process and and remove them
0: and you know as tom homan the uh, the former ice director said at a, a hearing recently and this is all over the internet now but i mean he basically said you know when he was in law enforcement he had to separate children from their families sometimes because, you know, the father was, you know, arrested for something and it it happens on a daily basis. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think because you have a family and and you're an illegal alien, you should be exempted from that. If you commit a, a heinous crime, you know, you need to be removed. I mean, it's, it happens on a daily basis, whether it's, you know, with the local police, the FBI, U.S. Marshals, I mean, people do get separated because of the you know,
1: if you're driving drunk down the road with your kid and you get pulled over, the kid isn't going to go to the drunk tank with you. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's it, it's a great point. I'm glad that he brought that up. Yeah, that
0: I, I, I encourage our listeners out there to check that clip out. I mean, it, it's all over the Internet, and I thought it was a very um, good point brought by uh, Tom Homan. Um, so now a large reason why we have so many illegal aliens in, in the country it's the fact that our asylum laws have so many issues with them, and I know Congress has been fighting back and forth over how to fix them. Um, but in order to help reduce these asylum claims, especially the meritless ones that we're seeing, uh, especially in the past decade, the Trump administration proposed a new asylum rule that requires migrants to apply for asylum in the first safe country they enter before entering the U.S. You know, Of course, within hours after this uh, rule was released, the ACLU among other civil liberties groups uh, try to to block this and um, I guess it's still pending. But, you know, there's immediate resistance from this. Mm -hmm. Uh, The AP Associated Press had a headline that said, uh, quote, Trump moved to effectively end asylum at our southern border, end quote. Um, Would you say this rule effectively ends asylum or is this kind of an embellishing headline?
1: Mm, it, It depends. If it if it, you know, is, it stands, you know, withstands court challenges, it certainly will lessen the number of people who can apply for asylum Mm -hmm. in the U.S. And, and in the rule, you know, there, there are, you know, cutouts and, and, you know, ways that people who are, you know, have traveled through can still apply, but by and large, most people wouldn't be able to apply for asylum. And, you know, people forget, you know, we're a sovereign country, we can determine what our asylum laws are. And actually there was a, there was a quote from a, from a minister in Mexico who uh-huh. he said, he goes, you know, well, I don't really like that rule. It seems seems kind of silly, but the U.S. can essentially, you know, the U.S. can do what it wants in regards to who they let in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's interesting, and I, I think uh, it's going to be very telling, you know, where the court case is filed and, you know, if that ruling comes out soon or not, if they put an injunction on it. So,
0: yeah. I mean... <laughs> I mean I, You know, for our listeners out there, the the president and the administration has the full legal authority to do this under the Immigration Nationality Act, also known as the INA. And also with this rule, there are exemptions to this. I mean, uh, I read that if you are a victim of human trafficking or you've been denied asylum in one of the countries you come up through, you know, whether it's Northern Triangle countries or Mexico, you can still apply for asylum. So it's not just a blanket kind of, you know, no one's applying for asylum. I mean... What they're doing is actually prioritizing asylees who are are, are bona fide asylees, people who are actually, they have a case as to why they're being politically persecuted or, you know, based on the the five characteristics, which are, you know, race, religion, nationality, political opinion, and membership uh, to a social group. Um, In fact, the matter is, you know, and we've been stressing this for for months now, years, you know, as an asylee, you can't pick and choose where you want to go. You're supposed to go to the first safe country outside of your, the country you're fleeing from. And, you know, that doesn't really happen because a lot of these migrants are economic migrants trying to seek better wages and, um, you know, improved economic conditions, which unfortunately doesn't qualify them for asylum in this country.
1: Right. And that's, that's one of the biggest issues is how we have interpreted that last asylum category, you know, membership of a particular social group, which has now been expanded to I'm scared of gangs. Yeah. And, you know, gangs are a are horrible part of, of life in Central America. They're also a horrible part of life in the United States. Yep. And um, whether or not that warrants asylum is something that I think needs to be debated seriously. Because mm-hmm. um, that's every, you know, for the most part, every single one of them are not coming because of political persecution. Yeah. You know, they're not coming because of you know, sexual orientation. It's because of, Like you said, they're economic migrants who are obviously want to leave. And so, you know, that's you just have to tighten up that that definition.
0: So do you envision if this rule goes actually into effect, I know it's a big uphill battle, but uh, do you expect, I guess, apprehension numbers at the southern border to dip down after this or? Uh, you know, is is it
1: too, too early to to tell? It might be too early to tell. And I I think numbers will dip anyway, because it is in the The middle of the summer. Um, we traditionally see that every year that numbers do dip. Uh, but it also, it takes a few months usually for, you know, our policies to, you know, get out into the streets in Central America for smugglers to learn about them and, and, you know, tell their clients about them and stuff. So it's, you know, I think it may be, you know, two or three months before we see, you know, if assuming that this, you know, is in place, is not enjoined, you know, goes through, uh, I think it would take a little bit of time to see if it if it does, but it, it'll certainly be interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And for our listeners out there, I mean, I, I know this is kind of been talked about frequently, but there is a lot of asylum abuse at our southern border right now. I mean, I I, I see a stat here where the median asylum grant rate across all immigration courts in the country, hovers around 11%. And, again, you know, I, I people have the right to seek asylum. We're not saying you don't have the right, but they, they can't be based off of meritless claims. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, I mean, th- that stat shows, you know, a lot of these just don't have a lot of, of you know, basis behind them. And it, it, it's sad, but it, it's, you know, 11%. It's, it's a very low number. That's actually granted. You know, we, our backlog right now is over more than 900,000 cases. And, you know, with a few hundred immigration judges
1: adjudicating these, I mean, it's, it takes years for them to actually get, you know, met. Right. And it's and particularly focusing on that 11% of people who do have, you know, meritorious claims, it, it makes the process longer for, for them, people who actually need our protection. Yeah. And when you have all of these other merit list claims, it It just makes that process harder for people who actually you know the u s is is meant to help through our asylum mm-hmm. system um so
0: obviously, like I mentioned before this um rule is gonna ha- have a big uphill battle i mean it's who knows if it'll actually go into effect I mean everything that the administration tries to do is stymied by activist judicial courts by open borders groups, but what else? the administration do to help decrease these meritless claims and, you know, regain
1: control of the border if this can't go into effect? So, and I kind of brought, I kind of touched on this earlier, and it's something um, that former Attorney General uh, Jeff Sessions attempted to do, which is change the definition of membership in a particular social Mm -hmm. group. Um, I think that would go a really long way in making sure that people who are truly economic migrants can't, Come in and claim mm-hmm. through through that. Um, I think that you really have to have specific criteria for asylum, which is what we already have with right. political opinion, with religion, with you know race, that, like yeah, that kind of yeah. thing. But when you have this kind of catch-all, ambiguous category, mm-hmm. that that is just a you know green light for abuse. And so I think that you know, maybe Attorney General Barr could, could, you know, issue, a, you know, a policy memo, you know, to Department of Justice staff saying, you know, we, we only consider, you know, the X, Y, and Z as like certain categories. We don't, you know, we're not considering fear of gangs as a.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Type. And I, and, and I know, um, this is interesting. Um, Lindsey Graham actually had a bill. I'm not sure maybe you would know that the status of this, but he had a bill where it, um, essentially had a, provision where migrants had to apply for asylum in their home country mm-hmm. uh do you know what's the status of that or is it so it's, it's, still it's yeah it's still
1: uh it, it hasn't been marked up yet yeah but it's it's been um, introduced it's you know he's holding it on the judiciary committee uh, to go through hearings on it but that's and that's a big uh idea that a lot of people have considered is yeah. for people that really do want to apply for asylum in the u.s mm-hmm. to have systems set up in their home country so that they don't you know, take that terror, you know, that terrible journey that Horrific. so many people have yeah. died on coming up through yeah. Mexico, you know, have them stay there. We'll adjudicate those claims there. Yeah. And then people who are found, you know, with merit, uh, will mm-hmm. bring them to the United States under, under asylum. Yeah. I, I think that that would
0: be a, a good kind of strategy that we haven't really seen yet. Like you said, it, it you know, prevents migrants from taking you know, the 2,000-mile trip to the southern border in extreme heat mm-hmm. with the cartels and the human traffickers. I mean, it, it's, that journey in itself is just, you know, it's almost like you are kind of giving up your life. Like, you might not come out of here right. alive. And so it's, it's very hazardous. Um, hopefully, that rule, you know, it's, it's still pretty new. Um, so we don't know exactly what's going to happen with it. But I think that it does address a lot that could help I guess, mitigate these surges in asylum claims that we've been seeing. I mean, uh, between fiscal year 20 or I'm sorry, fiscal year 2008 to fiscal year 2018, there's been a 278% jump in these asylum claims. Obviously there's something going on that it needs to be addressed and kind of revamp the policies behind this.
1: Right. And it's, it's actually fascinating that it took this long for us to, you know, kind of see the effect of the asylum loopholes, um, which is interesting
0: yeah (laughs) great stuff as always from uh ferris press and from our government relations department unfortunately that's all the time we have today uh tune in next week for another edition of mornings with matthew uh please check us out on our soundcloud page at fair.federation for more podcasts and also fairus.org for additional material on immigration related news thanks guys and see you guys next week